Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Farmer's Market, a Dynasty Baseball podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Segley. This is brought to you by Sports Ethos. And let's get into our next episode here. For this episode, I thought we can get back into another Dynasty mailbag. This is someone that everyone really enjoyed me posting the last time, and I really enjoyed answering those questions. So I shot out a tweet about two to three days ago where I basically started to gathering questions and this and that, So and I retweeted a few times since. So we got a few questions on tap today. So without further ado, let's get right into it. The first question that I wanted to address was a fairly simple one. Someone replied to my tweet and said, where can I find a dynasty startup league to join? So I just wanted to plug one of the good fantasy baseball accounts. And he recently tweeted that he's also doing other sports now, I believe. At Dynasty One Stop on Twitter is a great page to find new leagues to join for startups and dynasty and even sometimes... They have leagues where they need people to fill in some dynasty teams where they need a plug-in person where someone has dropped. So that's a great place to find if you wanted to join a dynasty startup and you're interested in doing so. And I believe there's some free leagues over there. So even if you're an amateur in this area and you want to just get experience within that community, that's a great place to go to look for leagues. If you shoot them a DM, I'm sure I'll find you a league. That's where I actually found my dynasty league that I joined this past offseason. I found a great group of people in that. And I really am enjoying it so far. So that's the first question that someone asked me. And I really think that's a great Twitter page if you really wanted to, you know, like I said, start joining the Dynasty community in a more serious manner. The next question up is from at Dad Rucker on Twitter. My league is converting to a Dynasty league next year. What are some things I should do or be doing to be prepared for as a newcomer to Dynasty leagues? Great base question for us to go into basically starting up this episode um what i would say most importantly in a dynasty league is knowing the values that's where you really want to start knowing whose value stands where age is a huge factor in dynasty that's probably one of the biggest things that people draft around and acquire via trade is young talent don't go in the first round and and look for top three pick let's say Aaron Judge. That's just not going to be plausible in your dynasty league. While Aaron Judge is a great player, I'm a Yankees fan. Of course, I love Aaron Judge. That is not going to be, you're going to look like you're not experienced in the dynasty area and you're going to set back your team multiple years if you do that. In dynasty, you're looking to do just that build a dynasty within your league, build a dynasty and win multiple championships. Age is probably the most important thing, knowing whose value stands where, like I said, you know, Julio Rodriguez, Ronald Acuna, Corbin Carroll, these are guys who should be off the board within the first three picks because just because they're young and MVP caliber players and will be that talent for many years to come. The second thing that I would say to prepare for when starting that dynasty format is figuring out which type of route you want to take for your squad. I think the smartest thing to do personally is secure that young stud in the first round, and give him support pieces that are also young players while also sprinkling in some vets. That is my strategy when I do Dynasty. I don't just like going the full youth route because then you're just going to be too young for too long. And that doesn't mean that route is incorrect in any way. That's just not the route I would take. So establish what route you want to take before the draft starts. Prepare. Study. Do mock drafts mock what 
player you want to start with and how you would like to build around him. Establish a team format in based off of your league scoring settings. You know, if it's a categories league and you snag Ronald Acuna, you have those five categories covered. So now let me see who's my second round pick. Is it a power bat? Am I going to go pitcher? All of these things come into play. Just like redraft, you want to formulate a strategy for your team composition. And I would say where most people mess up in this process is, you know, they establish that direction before the draft and go through the first couple rounds with that direction, staying very true to what they said they were going to do. But then one of the players they thought they were going to get get snagged off the board and they panic and go in a completely different direction. And just they come out with a very lopsided roster where they aren't really sure they're in no man's land. They're going to have to make some trades. So just make a direction and figure out which how you want to prepare for the draft. Are you going to go all young players? Are you going to mix in the vets with some youth foundation? Like I said, that would be my personal strategy. Just figuring that out is, is a, a huge advantage when going into these drafts. The last thing that I would say is extremely important when doing these dynasty leagues is educating yourself on prospects. Most dynasty leagues the majority usually have minor league spots within those rosters. And if you are holding players in those slots that don't have a ton of upside, it's almost doing your roster a disservice. So educating yourself on which prospects have the highest upside, what their potential outlook could be in terms of statistics and power, power metrics, contact metrics, speed metrics, batting average in the, in the minor league system that they've posted Knowing what prospects can do what, also incorporating that into your roster construction is a huge component when doing Dynasty. This is almost like an MLB franchise in terms of the way you're going to be handling it and how you're going to be constructing a roster. So knowing the prospects, knowing the top at each position, knowing how old they are, knowing what level they're at, when the ETA is for when they'll be promoted, those are all things I would look over. And I know this is a lot of information for you to, to prep for in a league and something you were doing for the first time. But at the bare minimum, I'd say know the top 100 and try to know the top 10 at each position, and I think you'll be okay. And when it gets to the later rounds, and, and if your league has a bigger minor league section within the roster, then you, know, you, you can do some quick Google searching based on what players you already have and what you need. But those are the three main things I would say when starting a dynasty league and what you need to know. So that's a great question. And that was perfect for us to build a foundation for this episode and to get us really started going here. So thank you at dad Rucker for this question. Getting into our next question from at Kevin Radner is Chaz McCormick for $5 in a $400 salary cap, 10 team, 30 man roster spot league, a keeper. So basically, you're asking if this $5 slot for Chaz McCormick is worth it with your $400 salary cap. With a 30-man roster and a 10-team league, it it would almost be an it-depends question for me. And this is usually how it goes when asking a situational question like this. I need to know who else your keepers are. But just in, in a vacuum, I would say I'm passing on Chaz McCormick for next year. The metrics really didn't support his play this year. He he played the volume and the the output that he gave was great. And I, I just don't see it repeating for another year. Um he didn't really in particular smoke the ball in any way. The um 
the fielding output is is great for him. He's a great fielder. Great outs above averages around five, which is in the 88th percentile. Um, I'm not. I'm just not too too big of a fan. The 251 XBA kind of spooks me a bit based off of his 280 regular average. That doesn't seem like it'll really hold up next year. The home run stolen base output though is interesting for me. I'm not. I'm just not too big. He doesn't hit the ball too hard for me to be like, yeah, you know, I'm. I'm interested on his power output for next year that, that's not something i'm really aimed at in terms of Chaz mccormick I, I would like to see the rest of your roster so if you would if you would like to shoot me another follow-up question for this over on twitter if you if you, this doesn't completely answer your question so at kevin radner if you want to send me a full list of you know your potential keepers i can give you a more in-depth answer on this thank you for that question though our next question is from at greg beaton what order for Miller, Pepio, and Sheehan for next year? Also, is there any hope for Oscar Colas? So let's start with the first part of your question. Based off those three pitchers, and I just want to start this by saying this is just incredible the way the Dodgers develop their arms and just talent in general in their minor league system. They just always seem to have a next man up mentality and just develop so well. And with that, with those three pitchers that you gave me, uh, my particular order is going to be Emma Sheehan, Bobby Miller, and Ryan Pepio. For this reason, I really do like Emma Sheehan. This is someone I've advocated for since the beginning of the season. He was one of my sleeper plays, and he dominated in the minor leagues before being promoted. He struggled a tad in the majors with a 4.92 ERA, but that, that's been a bit unlucky So what, based off what he's actually done. 3.48 expected era he has a 187 xba for a rookie pitcher that is a very impressive stat the the loud contact is is has been a bit of an issue for him but the whiff percentage 74th percentile chase rate 66th percentile k rate 68th percentile he struggled a bit with his command 10 percent walk rate overall it's hard to knock a pitcher that is excelling at missing bats and has a low expected batting average that is two things that i'm very intrigued in when looking at a pitcher like emmett sheehan six foot five frame just 23 years old this is someone i have high hopes for going in the future and this isn't a diss on the other two pitchers at all they have three great pitchers right here for the dodgers for many years to come i like all three of them going forward my second place option on this list bobby miller has done just as well as Emma Sheehan almost. 3.89 ERA, 3.54 expected ERA, 11-4 record, 21 starts in his rookie year. This is an impressive year from Bobby Miller. 24 years old, another 6'5 right-hander, a flamethrower. He's sitting at 99 average velocity thrown for his fastball. That is incredible. His success has basically stemmed from his ability to limit loud contact along with the fact that he doesn't walk many batters 6.3 percent walk rate not incredible but that's 80th percentile in the league that's something very interesting and and i like from a rookie standpoint that's a young player that's ability to keep the batter in the box and not issue free passes that's a big deal for a rookie pitcher getting into our third place arm here on this list ryan pepio 6'3 26 years old he impressed this year. I wasn't the biggest Ryan Pepio fan based off last year and even coming into this year, but 
through nine games last year. He had a 3.47 ERA. Seven games this year, three starts, 1.85 ERA in 2023. Very impressive. He has had a high chase rate this year and limited loud contact. The only thing I'm really worried about in his profile is he doesn't really have some dominant pitch. His, his pitch mix isn't overwhelming by any means. He primarily relies on his fastball, and it's just about 94 miles an hour, 51% usage rate from that pitch alone. It's hard for me to say that's sustainable for him going forward with just a three-pitch mix, mostly relying on that fastball and changeup. But he's had a three-flat three expected ERA. Very good year from Ryan Pepio. Also, the age factor in this goes forward in dynasty standpoint. This is why he also lands third on my list. The other two have very impressive stuff. Emmett Sheehan also relies heavily on his fastball. But that changeup is a very good pitch for Emmett Sheehan. I, I really do like that pitch from him. And it's something he developed along the minor level and that coaches have raved about throughout that system. Getting into the second part of your question, is there any hope for Oscar Colas? In my opinion, I, I think the ship has sailed on this. There was a ton of hype coming into this season based off his 2022 AAA ending of that season where he batted 387. There just hasn't been a ton to like about Oscar Colas in 2023. You know, in, in AAA, through 54 games, he's posted a 272 batting average, nine home runs, 29 RBIs, two stolen bases, and struck out at a 22% clip. Just not anything that jumps off the page to deserve the hype that he's had. And when he got promoted this year, he had roughly 75 games in the big leagues, batted 216 with five home runs, four stolen bases, struck out 27% of the time. He's already he's going to be 26 next next September, and there's not just a ton of upside here. I don't I don't see a lot that I really like in Oscar Colas based on the profile. The power output has has dipped every level since 2022. In AAA, he had a 192 ISO in the majors when he was promoted, 0.98 ISO. So there's just not a ton to like here going forward for Oscar Colas. He's a sell low for me in Dynasty. I really just want to get away from this situation. I'm not too big of a fan going forward. So thank you, Greg Beaton, for those two questions. Let's move on to the next question. We have at BayernBen7. Honest thoughts on keeping Royce Lewis in a five-keeper league? Depending on how many teams are in this league that you're going to keep Royce Lewis in, uh, generally, I'm really for it. Based off when he's played this year, Royce Lewis has looked terrific. But, you know, that that's a big if factor. He has been plagued with the injury bug a lot throughout his short career so far. But he's still just 24 years old, former first-round pick out of high school. But in 239 plate appearances this year, he's batted 309 with 15 home runs and 6 stolen bases. In a full season's mark, this is going to be returning top 50 value if that pace continues, of course. The Grand Slams, sure, it was probably an anomaly this year, but I really like the power output that he showed this far along with the speed. I, I would assume with the injuries he's he's um, been tasked with so far that they take more of a Byron Buxton approach with him going forward in terms of not letting him run as recklessly as he's been in the base path, so expect the stolen base output to dip a bit. So I'm looking at... Some nice power output with good average output 
with five five keeper spots in your league yeah i'm a fan of this move i'm a fan of keeping him with five slots but i wouldn't look i would have him on that fringe spot and i would need to know who the other options would be in this category for those five keepers who's who's giving him a run for his money for those last two spots i'm assuming you have you know three guys that are probably better than him locked into those five spots um yeah but i'm a fan with this move i would definitely be optimistic about keeping royce lewis going forward he has the potential to return top 50 value if the injury concern scares you i completely get it but me personally i play when i play fantasy sports i don't play to not lose i play to win and he has the potential to be a league winner next year based off of the value you can most likely keep him at let's move to our next question we have from at sven fester tell me something sexy about victor scott the best thing I could probably say about Victor Scott going forward is this is a player that teams are not going to have fun facing going forward. This really gives me D. Gordon vibes, if I'm being completely honest. 5'10", 190, outfielder, lefty-lefty, 22 years old. This year in AA, he's batted 323 with 7 home runs and 45 stolen bases. 14% strikeout rate and a 60% walk rate. Solid plate discipline across the board. A little bit more pop than D. Gordon, I would say, but high average upside and just runs with reckless abandon, as, as we've seen. 45 stolen bases this year in AA. Last year in high A, 50 stolen bases in 66 games. Both of those times were 66 games apiece. That pace for a 162-game season is absurd for stolen bases. This is really someone who's going to give Acuna a run for his money in that 70 stolen base category. Of course, not the 40 home runs, but he'll he can hit that mark, especially with the rules in play and how he runs the bases. This is someone I'm very excited for going forward in Dynasty, and I'm very curious to see how people are going to value him going forward. Just because there's a lot of talent here. He's, he's a very good athlete. There's a lot to like about Victor Scott, but the one sexy thing I could definitely say about him, as you've asked for, is he will run with reckless abandon and is not a liability at the plate. Thank you for that question. Moving on to our next question from at Lestat916. Yumin Lin or Owen White in Dynasty going forward? So this is a very interesting question and two deeper names. I know I said earlier, know the guys in the top 100. These two guys going a little further than that, a little more in depth in the prospect realm of things. I personally would take Yumin Lin going forward. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, his stuff isn't too overpowering. He doesn't throw very hard, but he has some good movement on his pitches and he's quite deceptive. And I've seen someone make a solid point over on my Twitter when I was talking about Yumin Lin as a name to know and an arm to know going forward more so as a sleeper option. Lefties in the league ha- are able to get away with having less overpowering fastballs and velocity just in general. You know, we have some names like Nestor Cortez, um, Jordan Montgomery, guys like that, that don't really throw the hardest, but are able to produce solid numbers in a full span of a season. And if Human Link could just add a few ticks on that fastball, there's very... It opens up a very big realm of possibility for his upside going forward. His his secondary pitches are very good, and his ability to miss bats is next to none in the, in the level he's in. And at the age he's at, he's only 20 years old. 
and his ability to strike out people is very impressive with a nine Ks per nine in double A for the Diamondbacks. 4.28 ERA at that level. But the ability to miss bats is what I'm really focused on here. That's something you really can't develop too much going forward. You can tweak mechanics and and pitch location, but it's hard to have a 20-year-old who has a very good knack for missing bats. So that's what I really like from Yuman Lin. And Owen Way has already shown his inability to keep the batters in the box. His walk rate is just way too high. In AAA, he had a five walks per nine, just something I'm really staying away from. Those are things, that, those two, walk rate and strikeout rate for a hitter are two things that I just might be deal breakers for me because you're just helping the opposing player. If you walk too many batters, you're helping the batter. You're giving him an advantage before he even steps in the box. He knows you have an inability to throw strikes. And same thing goes for a hitter. If your strikeout rate is, is just through the roof and you're a hitter, you're already giving the pitcher an advantage. He's He has a, a clear path to getting you out if he knows your weaknesses as a hitter is, is putting the bat on the ball. So those are two things that I really focus on when evaluating prospects. So in this scenario, walk rate is just way too high for Owen White. Human Lin still needs to lower his a bit. He has a 3.8 walks per nine. That's not great at all, but better than Owen White's is, is what I'm really focused on at the age he's at. I'm going Human Lin here for dynasty purposes going forward. Getting into our final question here from at our Philip Lyon, how to convert from a keeper league to a dynasty league? Do we need to redraft? Um, this is a bit of a loaded question. You can honestly do either. It, it depends on what the league mates are, are, you know, more interested in. Personally, I think it would be hard to, you know, start at a keeper level and then switch the whole format because it's just a tough thing to do because people are drafting the first, whatever you started with, you said you started with a keeper league. They're drafting that league in mind that it's just a keeper league and the rules aren't full of dynasty where the rosters are going to be rolling over because people's draft strategies can change based off of, you know, which, which you are implementing, which system you're implementing for the going forward in the keeper format. I would personally redraft the entire league and just start from scratch with this question in mind. But if if you know everyone's on board and they want to keep their main core of players, you know, just say, all right, we're keeping, say it's a four keeper league. We'll keep four players, draft guys, everyone for the next draft. We're gonna keep dynasty format going forward. So you have your four main players, just you know, draft as you would draft every single other year in the keeper league but just with the with the idea in mind that it's going to be a dynasty going into next year and there will not be any more of a four keeper and the drafts that we've been having and just first year player drafts for prospects if that's what you decide to go in for going forward. That was the last question we had for the dynasty mailbag episode today. I want to thank all of you for sending in questions. Please if you really have more questions for me just send them over my Twitter. I'll be happy to answer them. I answer all the questions I receive. There's not one question I miss or don't want to answer my twitter is at andrew underscore fbb please if you don't follow me already go follow me over there shoot me some questions tweet at me whatever you want to say have a nice day I'll, i'm always answering all of my tweets thank you all for participating in this though it means a lot to me and i really do enjoy doing these mailbag episodes but this is a farmer's market dynasty baseball podcast brought to you by sports ethos i'm your host andrew desegli thank you all for listening today